John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that for us next. Big job there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. Oh, down goes Duffy. Oh, cold. Frank Mir does it again. Rock'em, sock'em, robots here. Oh, my goodness. I believe there are a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Ken Paul, I love that show open, but a lot of the listeners are looking for uh, something other than the Frank Mir open. Rest assured, the maestro Cody Marrow is all goddamn over it. Big things planned in 2021. I'm just going to say the word live and leave it at that. But if you've enjoyed the live to tape Anakin Florian podcast, it's going to be more live Q&As, all sorts of things coming your way. But it's good to be with you, Ken Flo. Monday, February 8th, 2021. One, it's episode 287 of the Anakin Florian podcast. I'm sitting here looking at my UFC 258 Usman versus Burns fight card. It says 2020, so we'll have to uh, get on that. Ken, Flo, <laughs> it's nice to see you, man. I mean, you look good. You look like uh, you look like you're rested and ready to go. How are you doing? It, it is most definitely 2021, kid. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited uh, for these weekend's fights. Uh, last weekend was great as well, obviously. And uh, I mean, Tom Brady, I, there's so much to talk about. I'm all over the place, man. Is it snowing outside where you are? I mean, let's not bury the it. It is not. It okay. is not. It, a lot of snow in the northeastern part of the United States of America. None down here in South Florida, obviously. But yes. Tom Brady will be talked about today. And so will Bill Belichick and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and everybody else. Um, but we have a lot to get to, obviously. And hopefully Alexander Volkov will still get some shine, given what Corey Sandhagen was able to do in the co-main event. Uh, Ken Flo, I am playing a little bit hurt today. I suffered a rib injury on Friday playing basketball. My twin brother, Jay, you can see him on Bilal Muhammad's Remember the Show on this very platform if you're so interested. But after what he did playing hoops, I don't know if you want to support the guy, if I'm being honest. Straight shoulder, offensive foul, right into my fucking rib cage. So I thought it was getting better. I couldn't do my UFC voiceovers on Saturday. Dude. Uh, I think that we're coming out the other side. But like, if I had to call a pay-per-view right here on Monday, I'm not sure that I could punch it for the, for the title fight. It was that bad. So what, he just rammed his shoulder into your rib? What the hell happened? Yeah, he was going to the basket, and uh, I just sort of, I don't know if I was trying to take a charge, but he caught me in a perfect place, or maybe not so perfect. But my wife doesn't believe me, right? So you're saying, how bad is it, right? Well, let's start there. My wife doesn't believe me (laughs) uh, and thinks I'm dramatizing everything. It's very hard to do a lot of things, but I'm pumping it up for the podcast. I got my Ken Flo Adrenaline going right now, so it feels pretty good, (laughs) if I'm being honest. Cody told me to take a hot shower. You know, I've been trying to take walks outside, but maybe I'm just soft. That's the thing. I mean, I have a whole new respect for fighters taking shots to the body, but I will say this was the most significant bodily impact that I have absorbed. I mean, but thankfully the lungs seem to be okay and, and we're battling flow, you know, Dude, rib, inju- rib injuries are no fun. And, and for me, anytime I've dealt with them, they've taken a while to heal because they end up re-injuring. So stay away from the courts, kid. No more I basketball think- for you. And our audio guy, Mike Sack, was like, you're a grown ass man. You can't do the voiceovers because you're playing basketball. Like at some point, you got to shut down the full contact basketball. And uh, one of our editors, Brian Gallagher, quickly came into my defense and was like, dude, you got to play ball. You got to play ball. You got to get in shape, fit into those tiny suits. But uh, I told you I wasn't going to lead with Tom Brady. See, we led with my uh, my phantom injury as far as my wife is concerned. How about Tom fucking Brady, though? Huh? Seven Super Bowls, that's more than any franchise, and he happens to be an individual and not a franchise as Cody is rocking his uh, his Tampa Bay Buccaneers number 12 jersey. 
obviously there were a lot of people who had a hand in this world championship can flow, but how about Tom fucking Brady? I, I think about the fact that he's 43 years old. I, I think about the fact that he was drafted as a sixth round backup to Drew Bledsoe, uh, came in and just became this massive star, uh, you know, won a Super Bowl pretty early on in his career and then goes on to win six more with two different teams. Think about, you know, coming in with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, whole new team, having to learn a whole different playbook. I mean, studying and working out all those things. The fact that he was able to get it done in his very first year, again, you said it, clearly had a great team around him. Uh, but to, able, to be able to pull that off in year one with Tampa Bay is just insane. The dude uh, is an absolute legend. Uh, and uh, I mean, can you, can you doubt him at this point? Uh, unreal. Unreal. If, if this was a, an American football podcast, we would spend a half an hour talking about everything that makes him great. But obviously we are not going to do that. But four Super Bowl championships for him individually since age 37, seven overall. And a lot of people come at us as lifelong New England Patriots fans who grew up when the Patriots were not very good in the 70s and 80s. And they'll say, oh, isn't this bittersweet? And there's really no bitter for me. The only thing that upsets me is when people try to denigrate or discredit Bill Belichick, you know. As if to say, well, maybe, you know, Belichick held Tommy back. Is that what we're saying? Right. That maybe Tom would right. have fucking nine championships if if he didn't have Belichick. I just don't like when people discredit Belichick. I think he's the greatest coach. I think Brady's the greatest player by a fucking mile. He's got more championships than Michael Jordan. I mean, what else can you say? Exactly. I mean, listen, uh, why can't it be both? Why, why can't it be that both of them uh, are geniuses in their own right? And, uh, you know, again, it's amazing what they both pulled off. But again, uh, for Tom Brady to be able to do this uh, again, you know, he, he's also a guy that gets fired up uh, with adversity and challenge and doubters. You know, anytime you doubt that guy, he just yeah. gets better. Uh, it, it's impressive, man. So congrats to uh, our guy, Brady and the entire Tampa Bay Buccaneers organization. All right, let's get to headlines and UFC fight night Overeem versus Volkov. And we'll start with Corey Sandhagen because this singularly is a highlight that is going to withstand the test of time. He defeats Frankie Edgar by flying, jumping knee 28 seconds into their fight. And uh, Christian Allen and the striking team deserve a lot of credit. Obviously, they've got a great championship caliber athlete on their hands, but it seemed like they felt like there was going to be an entry point where they could capitalize on this particular weapon. And uh, man, he didn't miss. You know, um, Corey is uh, a lot taller than most guys in his division. Uh, and he, it was certainly the case here against Frankie Edgar. And, and a knee is al always a great tool to utilize against someone who is going to pursue like Frankie does. Uh, and he used it brilliantly. He got Frankie to chase, uh, went right down the middle, split the guard of Frankie Edgar, and knocked him out in what was one of the most brutal knockouts I had ever seen. Uh, you know, anytime you see a knockout that happens on contact like that, like a, like a light switch just went off, um, it was concerning. It was brutal. It was violent. Uh, it was precise. Uh, and, and Corey just made a, a lot of guys in his division at 135 pounds very, very scared. Uh, and huh. he's on fire and, and has certainly uh, turned the tables after his loss against Aljo. So uh, doing big things, doing it against a legend like Frank Edgar. Uh, was tremendous. Uh, I'm sure we'll get into to Frankie and what's next for him. But um, anytime I see a guy, especially from my generation, who is continuing to fight and, and doing it still at a high level, but taking a shot like that, it, it was very concerning. And I, I just don't like seeing guys like Frankie uh, get hurt like that.
I know there are a lot of reasons why you're concerned. Perhaps him being 39 years of age is part of the equation. But if I were to bring on Dr. Florian and ask him what's worse, getting concussed like Frankie Edgar did or being on the wrong side of a 25-minute beating Max Holloway against Calvin Cater, I mean, I guess it's the impossible question, right? But, like, what is worse for your health? Neither great, probably. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I think that uh, anytime you get something that is a concussive a shot like that, uh, where your brain feels like it was too much to handle and it, it needs to kind of shut off, I don't think that's ever a good thing. But uh, yeah. taking repeated blows, uh, you know, isn't good either. So, uh, you know, again, Frankie Edgar, he's been around the game for a long time. You don't want to see uh, someone like that uh, get knocked out uh, in that fashion. He, of course, suffered one. Uh, 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 that was kind of similar against Ortega. Right. Uh, so, um, you know, I, again, I don't like talking about, uh, having people, you know, shut it down, uh, after a performance like that, yeah. but, uh, I, I don't want to see him take too many more shots like that. And what you really wanted to say is John, what a terrible question. You know, it's like, I'm not <laughs> in medical personnel. It's exactly. unanswerable. We don't have that much time before Ray is going to come on and ransack the entire show. So I apologize. All right. Biggest takeaway for me. Corey Sandhagen pre-fight intensity emotion. He yeah. talked about this after losing to Aljamain Sterling, that when they started their fight, Aljo was pacing back and forth as if he was ready to kill a man. And Corey Sandhagen adopted that approach this time around, more so than I have ever seen him adopt that approach before. He even took Aljo's intensity up a notch. And immediately in that moment, as a viewer and fan on Saturday night, I'm thinking, oh my God, like, Get your finished prop tickets. Forget your decision tickets. You can rip those up now because Corey Sanhagen's going to go out there and finish Frankie Edgar. I mean, he I love that he's such a student of the game. Ken Flo, Corey Sanhagen is. And you know him to be that, uh, that he would immediately take that from Aljo in some way, shape or form and incorporate it right into his pre-fight routine. I'm glad you brought that up. Actually, right before the fight started and I saw Corey pacing back and forth, I texted one of my buddies. Uh, and said, this seems like it's kind of a new approach for, for, for Corey. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it seemed like he was turned on and ready to go right from that bell. And man, was he ever, uh, and, and he wasn't overly aggressive. He wasn't doing things that were stupid. You know, it was like, he was getting his body and his mind ready to fight. Uh, and I know that in, in certain situations before fights, you know, if you're too relaxed or too calm, um, you know, it, it will take you a couple shots to wake up. You know, and he found out against Aljo, you better be ready to go right from the get-go. One mistake could be the end against the elite. Uh, Frank Yeager is certainly that. Uh, and he was ready to go. And, and, man, did he deliver. Correct me if I'm wrong, but in your career, there were nights where you went out there just clicking on all cylinders, right? All systems mm -hmm. go mentally, physically, emotionally, kind of just ready to kill a man. And you went out and finished the guy, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. More so than others, though, right? I mean, there were certain walks yeah. where... You were, I think, wearing different things, maybe for the Sean Shirk fight and others where you had, yeah. I think, different looks in your eyes. Well, if San Hagen can keep this look in his eyes, uh, he's going to be a real problem. So when you look at this back to back with the Marlon Marais knockout, I know in seeing your Twitter feed that you believe he's earned a championship opportunity. It's going to be Aljamain Sterling, our guy, of course, uh, taking on Piotr Jan for the UFC Bantamweight Championship next month. Um, but it, it seems to me like a Sandhagen Sterling rematch or a Sandhagen Jan take one is going to be super interesting. And it's going to be next year at 35. Yeah. One of the best ways to erase a loss and especially a devastating one, uh, which was a, a finish against, uh, Sterling, 
uh, is to go right back out there and, and get some finishes yourself. Um, and uh, it, it's a great way to kind of erase some minds out there and, and to prove that um, you're a different guy and you are elite. And he has certainly done that. And he's going to be a problem for a lot of people out there. Um, I, I still feel that, uh, you know, he's going to have to uh, get better with his wrestling and with his grappling uh, fundamentally. However, uh, striking wise, uh, he's going to be a tough out for anyone in that division, man. 2020 was a big year for team elevation and uh, looks like 2021 will be as well. But they did have to turn the page quickly there, Canflow, after Corey Sandhagen and turn their attention to Alistair Overeem, who was on the wrong side of a TKO courtesy of Alexander Drago Volkov. So 2-0 and with the big back tattoo for Alexander Volkov. So that is certainly working out. That was a good life decision. I don't know what Darren Elkins' record is since he went the damage in electrical font on his chest, incidentally. But Alexander Volkov, Flow. I thought he deserved to be the favorite. I, I think maybe there's more to talk about on the Overeem side, but I think Volkov, despite 40 or so pro fights, to my amateur eyes, is getting better. Yeah, that back to that back tattoo <laughs> is a, a little bit more artistic than the one that Elkins has. No offense, Elkins, it's badass, but it a little bit more badass. art going on on the back <laughs> of, right, of right. Volkov. But uh, you know, yeah, he looks sharp, man. I think he he looked very patient as well. Um, you know, I don't know exactly what was going on with Overeem. I, you know, we'll talk about that later, but Volkov uh, looked ready. Uh, he was utilizing that reach advantage. He looked sharp. Uh, and when he needed to take him out, he definitely did that. Um, uh, and I think there were certain times where he wasn't, he wasn't sure if Overeem was kind of abating him a little bit over towards the cage. So it seems like he was taking his time, was trying not to do something stupid. Right. Uh, but when he really felt it was his opportunity to take him out, he did that busted him up early man and uh great way for volkov to get back on track again and just touching him not necessarily emptying the power tank yeah but i'm glad you sort of said baiting him because what is a referee supposed to do when a fighter turns their back on the opponent i think it's one thing to bait somebody but twice he was caught turning his back against the offense Mm -hmm. it was strange to me, this was a different Overeem, and again, it's hard to tell. You know, is it age? Does he still want it? Did he have an injury heading into this? Was he just, you know, was it a mismatch for him? You know, was he confused by Volkov? So there's a lot of questions for me after this fight for Overeem. Um, but yeah, it just didn't seem like a, a smart approach from Overeem. You know, he was kind of shelling up, which he's done before in the past, but. Um, it was almost like he was just letting Volkov tee up on him, and, and uh, he was getting hurt. You, how, you can't do that in the heavyweight division. You can't let your guy uh, land shots like that. You know, he right. was busted up early. You know, there was a cut between his eyes that apparently was very deep. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the, one of the, a couple of the people there there uh, at the fight was telling me he could probably stick his thumb inside that cut. It was that bad. Wow. Uh, and what was even more strange was that Overeem uh, didn't allow the cut man to even get in there in between rounds, which was kind of strange. So I don't know exactly what was going on with the performance, um, whether it was, you know, he was uh, pissed off after the first round and, and kind yeah. of upset at himself or whether he was so hurt and didn't want anybody to touch him. But uh, it, it was a little bit odd for Overeem in this one. I thought so, too. A lot of scar tissue there and some of that Curtis Blades damage perhaps rearing its ugly head again from years ago in Chicago. How about Ray Longo texting the group at 10.59 a.m. Eastern, how we looking? I mean, is this guy running the schedule now? And 
Cody, He's deadpan, we're right on time, just finishing <laughs> up our thoughts, getting to you exactly on schedule in 60 seconds. But listen up, fellas. We know 2020 was not ideal, but it is a new year, and it's time to get your stuff together, especially when it comes to your package. Our sponsor, Manscaped, can help you with that. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming, offering precision engineer tools for your family jewels and helping 2 million-plus men all over the world get rid of unwanted hair you know where. So if maybe hygienically you let yourself go a little bit last year while in quarantine, Manscaped is right here for you so you can kind of reboot and stay clean here and shaved in 2021. So thankfully, 2020 was the year that I got introduced to the Lawnmower 3.0 Skin Safe Trimmer Ceramic Blade that I take with me everywhere. It was in Abu Dhabi, Fight Island. I guarantee you this thing will reduce nicks and cuts to your two best friends. Third generation 3.0 also has a light on it as well, which is more useful than you may think. Manscaped has a lot more products as well for guys like Ken Flo, you know, product guy a little bit more so than maybe uh the other host of this show crop reviver ball toner spray all part of the perfect package for manscape to get you all the right tools for the job and a fresh start here in 2021 so to get 20 percent off and free shipping go to manscape.com slash af right now no promo code required 20 percent off free shipping all you need to do is go to manscape.com slash af happy 2021 from the anakin florian podcast team and manscape.com all right let us get to raymond peter longo now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. Ray Longo now joins us live from Garden City, New York. 14 months now without a haircut. UFC hat. Didn't have an extra rounds hat laying, laying around, I guess, huh? Yeah, we're not that big yet. Ha, <laughs> yet. <laughs> Operative word. So it's good to see you, man. Uh, you keep talking a good game about the haircut. It never seems to happen, huh? I tell you, I can't. I have. I'm having trouble pulling the trigger. This is hard. All right, that's okay. That's I don't okay. Know. I don't know Just let us know on. if we need to uh, solicit a barber. It works so well the first time. He's like Samson. Yeah, I thought, <laughs> I thought Cody was going to come down and film it, and once that didn't happen, right? So what the hell? <laughs> All right. So uh, before we get to what was a memorable UFC fight night at yeah. the UFC Apex in Las Vegas last weekend. I saw some posts from Chris Weidman. I think it had to do with maybe his fight with Uriah Hall being pushed back because he got COVID-19. So hopefully he gets well. But what struck me was the hashtag Carolina Chris, right? I mean, you think Ken Flo living in the Carolinas now is going to hashtag something like Carolina Ken Flo? Boston roots in New York guys. All of a sudden he's fucking yeah. Carolina. Chris, he's been there six weeks. Unbelievable. How quickly you guys lose sight of your roots. Oh, that's, horrible. I tell you, that's, <laughs> that's something that should be addressed with him. Cause that's just unacceptable. Behavior. <laughs> I knew you wouldn't oh, like I'm that concerned. hashtag. No, I, 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 obviously I didn't see it, but Carolina, Chris, <laughs> what are we doing here? <laughs> I mean, what, is, what is that? You know, really who, who gave him that hashtag Neil diamond. I mean, <laughs> <what is that? laughs> no, well, I promise you on the broadcast, I will not refer to him as Carolina Chris. I'll do it here. A little bit of a smaller audience here on the Anakin Florian podcast, but it's good to see you, my man. How's everything going? Very good. Very good. How about you guys? I missed you last week. Yeah, Thanks. that's probably on me. Uh, you, you woke up, saw that it was still snowing, went back to bed. Is that <laughs> kind of how it went down? <laughs> wow. I like I'm how you're kidding. No, no, you're good. No, you're good. That's good. That's <laughs> That's kind of the way it went down. You know, that and the fact that I had no idea when the podcast was. Yeah, baby. All that together was was perfect. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, heretofore, maybe you can blame the executive producer. Um, yes. But, uh, well, it's good to see you. Uh, I want to sort of talk about as many of these performances as we can. So in the nature of doing that, 
did you see the fight of the night between Benil Daryush and Diego Fajeda? Yeah, I don't know what I was looking at, but I, I thought, look, uh, I had, so my lock at a night, my bet, the lock was Benil Dariush. I go, there's, for you. No way, I go, there's no way he could lose that fight. But then when I was watching the fight, I was like, wow, he's just, I thought he made that way harder than he had to. I thought he was the more technical guy standing up. Uh, I, I don't know what I was, he just gave that guy some opportunities that I thought he shouldn't have never had, but uh uh, he got the job done. He's a he's a he's a great guy, and I mean I don't I don't know, but I had that as the lock of the night. You know? Ken Flo, what a fight that was! What am I watching in terms of the defensive grappling with these two seemingly credentialed Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts? I know yeah. Daryush's credentials may be more than uh than I know Diego Fajeda's. I mean Daryush literally devoted five years of his life to becoming a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt before migrating to MMA. But I don't know, man. The transitions, the grappling, like for me. That's my favorite type of fight to watch. Yeah, yeah. It was awesome. I mean, they literally named a guard after Benil Daryush. I mean, so uh, he was very well known for his guard, uh, but had to really show some uh, excellent top pressure against Fajeda as well. Uh, it was awesome to watch. These guys were going for it, man. I, I mean, everything from the feet to the floor. Uh, this was a fight where it, it almost seemed like there was bad blood between them, you know, um, but these guys, you know, were respectful throughout. Uh, but we're really going for it. They're really trying to finish the fight. They landed some huge shots early on. And you just knew, first 10 seconds, you're like, this is going to be an insane yeah, yeah. fight. Yeah. And it absolutely was that. And it takes yeah. two, Ray. Diego Fajeda deserves a lot of credit. Well, no, I know no, this no. is a setback, but he had been unbeaten since the loss to Poirier in 2015. And uh, I think Daryush is underappreciated. Both of those guys, I think, would give fits to a lot of people ranked above them in that top 10 at 155 pounds. Um, tough to see Frankie Edgar on the wrong side of that type of knockout. All praise to Corey Sandhagen. But what would you think of the co-main event in that flying knee? Uh, listen, I, 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 look, I had Sandhagen. Uh, he's a problem. I mean, I had this for a couple of years now. He, he's really a problem. I'm glad Aljo did what he did to him, uh, but that's going to be a tough fight, and I'm sure he will get the winner of this fight. And he he's the guy in the division to watch, man. I mean, he's, you know, obviously besides Aljo, but that's the guy I think is the most dangerous. I think he he said it, and I, I told Aljo and guys at the gym, I said he learned a lesson from Aljo, and Aljo really made this guy a better fighter, already a great fighter. But, you know, sometimes, you know, when you could have a loss and put it in perspective, like that, those guys, those are the guys that are tough to beat. You know what I mean? They don't get down. They just grow from it. Look who we fought. I mean, he came back, Marlon Moraes and Frankie Edgar, and he dismantled both guys. You right. know, Frankie, look, I'm not I'm, I, I'm not a big fan of the older guys fighting. I didn't like to see Overeem. I didn't like to see Frankie. I mean, these guys are getting up there. Uh, I know maybe some guys need money, but, you know, Frankie's career has been so stellar and the guy's an icon in the sport. I just, I, I, I don't get it. You know, I know, you know him though, you know, he wants to fight, but you know, taking some of those shots, I just, I don't like it. Even over him. I don't like it. I mean, he, the, the, the surprise of the night is Clay Guida to me. I mean, that guy, you can't stop. Yeah. You know what I mean? Then he's a, he's an older guy, but he's still, yeah. he's the close, he, he's a juggernaut. He always was. And he's, yeah. If anything, I think his any his striking looked like it got better. He I landed, he landed think, a bunch of right hands off, you know, like dipping and throwing. But he's a different cat, man. You know, he's he's always been that guy, and he's been able to hold it. Like these other guys with skills that get older, or yeah. uh, 
Oh, man. You I know, mean, episode these... 287. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, He's doing a flow. podcast. Leave him alone. I was going to say, you know, we're watching the fight, and my wife goes, didn't you fight that guy? You know, she didn't follow my, you know, we, we weren't dating when I was fighting. And she goes, didn't you fight that guy? I go, I fought that guy in 2009. Like, think about that. Clay goes, yeah. I fought him in 2009, and he was fighting for years before that. It, it's, it's unbelievable how long Clay Guida has been fighting. It was good to see him get back on track. He was putting it all together. But, yeah, like Ray said, though, you know, for a lot of these guys, if they don't need the money, um, and, and I would hope that would be the case for guys like Overeem and Frankie. Frankie's you know, got three I, kids, Ken Flo. I mean, I know. That's true. That changes things. And, and Overeem's got a bunch of kids, too. But I he think does that, have a lot of kids. You know, I, I, what I don't want to do is I don't want to see those guys take more damage to the point where now they can't enjoy the fruits of their labor. Right, right, right. It's like That's, they're working their asses off and they're 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 putting their body through hell so they can make a good life for them and their family. But you know, if it's to the point where now physically they're not the same or, or they're not able to remember certain things, I mean, the, the, I'm not exaggerating. These are actual things that could happen. So. Yeah. I just don't want to see those guys hurt. And, you know, I don't know Overeem too well. I, I've always had a lot of respect for, for Frankie Edgar and everything that he's done. Yeah. He's an absolute legend. You have to. I don't want to see that happen. You know, he, he's a great guy. He's a great family guy. And I just don't want to see him not be able to truly enjoy the fruits of his labor because he really has accomplished so much. Uh, so yeah, my he, wife yeah. says to me, Ray, hey, didn't you fight that guy? I'd be like, yeah, honey. <laughs> You want to see what I did to that guy? You want to see what I did to that guy in December in Memphis, Tennessee in 2009? You want to see? I him up and then choked him essentially unconscious. So you say, Clay Guida can't be stopped. Ken Flo stopped him. But anyway, what, what were we going to say, Ray? What were you going to say? Well, listen, I always said that he finished fights. He made his statement. I mean, I don't know. He backed his – he walked the walk. He talked the talk. He backed everything up. What, do you, what, what else do you want? He but had that Kenny, look in his eye, that, that Kenny, Guida fight. Kenny, that's for sure. Kenny got the hell out of there. He got you did get out, you know, right. and, he, and look at him full head. Of head still can put it up. <laughs> look, he's laughing. He's having uh, it's it's not, his life. It used to be. It's like a five head now. And but, I, gotta yeah. tell you, John, I don't know if you noticed. I don't know if you were there. You probably were, but I can't remember. I was at his retirement party. Me and about four other guys. We were somewhere in. And where were we in Florida? <laughs> well, where were with Houston, that, Texas. I thought it was Vegas. Oh, it was Vegas. I think it was October Vegas. Of oh, okay. Maybe at the well, park. I made the announcement, you mean, right? Is that yeah, what you yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, I think it was Vegas. John, you weren't there? I was there working, yeah. I was there working, so I probably wasn't at any sort of party, you know. <laughs> Got to work hard. We lack ability, work hard. That's sort of how it goes. Hey. You're out of it today. Can you, can you pep me up a little bit? What are you doing? I mean, you want me to you want me to massage you like I uh, like I try to do to all the athletes on this roster? Are you looking for a little massage? I'll throw a couple insults at me. Anything. All right. <laughs> all right. Well, here's what I'm going to throw back at you. The counter argument to a 39 year old Frankie Edgar. I don't think it's ideal to be fighting guys like an Aljo and Corey Sandhagen. But look yeah. at his last performance in August, his UFC Bantamweight debut, five warrior like rounds against yeah. Pedro Munoz. And he won that fight. So. Yeah. He's he's not very many months, and I would throw this back at both of you, removed from a, a, a performance against a five-tool Pedro Munoz in a five-round main event. So, I don't know. If I'm Frankie Edgar, I, I ain't going out like that. That's for sure. Yeah, no, I, I no, think, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I, no I, I get it, though. I'm just we, – we just – you know, this is just a conversation. Of course. Throwing things up. It's not – you know, we love Frankie. I don't think anybody – 
I, I tell you, if you don't like that guy, you don't right. like anybody. You know what I'm saying? So, but I just, I, I don't. My point is, I don't like to see it. That that's. I'm not saying stop. And I just, you know, like even with Overeem, just the way he went down, like great job on the ref stepping in there and 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 saving him because it just doesn't even look right. You know, it's not like uh, there's something different about it. I, I don't know. And you go. I was watching. Overeem and Pride at the gym. You know, we had the old Pride fight. This guy's been around forever, too. Like, this is crazy. These guys had great careers, you know. But, look, I deal with fighters. Nobody ever wants to stop. That's just part of, you know, when you love to fight, it's hard to get these guys to stop. You know what I mean? And then, you know, tack on it, you're making a decent payday. I guess it adds more to it. But I, my, my point was I just don't like seeing it. I, I love seeing a, a Clay Guida, though. That I love seeing. I love right. when they're on the winning side because then it's like, uh, yeah. you know, even like, you know, uh, I'm not a, I'm not a huge football fan, obviously. I mean, I was. I was a huge football fan. I haven't been years. But the Tom Brady thing is fascinating to me. It really is. I mean, 43, goes to another team, him and the other guy, Gronkowski, whatever his name mm -hmm. is. Uh, dude, this, this diet fascinates me and i didn't watch the game but if i were if i was gonna watch it i'm watching for tom brady at this point i am blown away at a 43 year old who doesn't even look like he's slowing down like how are you winning super bowls i i, I think that's a you know what i just got the guy's book i'm gonna listen to it in the next couple of days but i'm i'm fascinated by a guy like that in any sport but i think football to be 43 and have a bunch of monsters trying to bury your head into the, oh. the earth. I mean, where do I start? I mean, Ken Flo would be the guy to talk about this, but I would start with the the pliability and the focus on not taking perpetual damage over yeah. the years, navigating a pocket, knowing your physical limitations. Right. I mean. Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, some of these guys, the natural athletic gifts that they had, Tom did not possess. And yet look what he's done. It really is a testament to hard work and the right work. And I think you're wise to, to buy his book. Um, I really do. Ken yeah. Flo, in terms of uh, the Frankie Edgar situation, right? Uh, it is a tricky thing, but you know, he's not going to want to go out like that. I mean, you got to think there's a matchup there in that top 15. Uh, I mean, I love the cruise fight, you know, but I understand that Dom has business with Casey Kenny on March 6th, but what's your appetite to see Frankie Edgar at least one more time in the octagon? Listen, that's a valid point. Uh, <laughs> With all that said, I think if Frankie's going to come back, do one more, uh, get you know, have him get matched up against a guy like Dominic Cruz, who's been in the sport for a long time, um, still younger than Frankie, I believe, right? But um, yeah. still, uh, that's a fight that makes sense. Um, and you know, for Frankie, obviously, yeah, he doesn't want to go out like that. But um, you know, I, I think one more fight. You know, try to get a win uh, yeah. or, you know, a, a fight that makes a little bit more sense and then go out. But I, I also know that Frankie kind of is a guy who's also chased, uh, always chasing a belt. And, and I'm not sure that he wants right. to continue doing it unless it's for a world championship. That's just his, his mentality. Right. Um, it was my mentality. And if that's not going to happen, it's kind of like, well, you know, I'm either I want the best or or, or nothing. So um, either way, I, I wish him the best and uh, I want to see him do well and, and I want to see him healthy more importantly without a doubt and I and I and it really does break your heart when you see it just does I don't care who you are and I'm sure Mark's dealing with that this morning and um you know Hikado I mean they're they're close as hell me you don't want to see that it kills me when I see my guys you know suffer a bad loss it really right. does hurts it just 
you know, so I don't know. It's just like, again, it's food for thought. Nobody's saying retire. It's just, I would, my point was, I just don't like seeing the older guys get matched up with like uh, younger guys that are on the way up and you know, that it just killers me. And I don't know. Yeah, no, I think that's all fair. And uh, you're very consistent when it comes to this stuff before we let you fly, unless you got anything else on the way out in terms of a potential rematch between Corey Sandhagen and Aljamain Sterling. I understand Piotr Jan is the champion and yeah. it's going to factor prominently in this whole equation, but the fan enthusiasm for that first matchup between Aljo and Sandhagen at UFC 250 was absolutely insane. And I said on the show last week, I couldn't help but feel shortchanged by that quick fight. I was so in the moment and thrilled for Aljo, as you know, but I don't know. I just want to see more. I want to see more of Edgar and Sanhagen, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and I yeah, think yeah. sometimes when you have these quick fights, Cejudo Dillashaw, you want to see yeah, more. Yeah, Could exactly. you imagine, though, uh, the preamble and the lead up to a second meeting between Aljo and Sanhagen? It'd be insane. Well, I'll tell you what. If it's going to happen. I, I know it's going to happen for the belt. So that'll be a great thing. And, uh, you know, Aljo's consistently growing. I Like I've always said this, he's where he needs to be for this fight coming up. And I'm sure he's going to win, lose, or draw. He grows from this fight. And I know he's going to win, but I mean, it, this is going to be another growing fight for Aljo. And the, the more he grows, the better he gets. And he still has not reached his limit. And I think that's what makes all these fights really intriguing to me is that you know, the guy sometimes I see, it, it, there's no question in my mind he's beaten everybody. Right. And, you know, even on the floor, man, you could prepare all you want. His his jujitsu is sick. You know, it's really, really good. And he's super strong with great squeeze strength. And, you know, his body structure, Kenny, is great for some of those scrambles. And, you know, the way he can maneuver his legs and his hips is phenomenal. So you could train all you want, but you got a lot of, you got this certain area. Is with Aljo, that's a lot of catching up to do. And then he's got to, you know, and he's got to get better in certain areas too, which I think is what he's doing. And that's what makes him dangerous. Yeah, especially with the that. grappling. It, it takes, it takes not, you know, you can't just get better at grappling in, in, in a month or two. It takes years yeah. to right. get to that level. So, you know, having that grappling advantage in that division is, is huge for Aljo. That's right. why I hit that quit button, right? I was like, I'm not, I'm not doing this jujitsu stuff for the next six, eight <laughs> years trying to get me a blue belt. Go get some new golf clubs instead. Much more aligned with my physical toughness, right? With this rib injury. All right, you want to see what else I have for my notes? I mean, I, I prepare for this podcast, yeah. right? When in doubt, prepare. All right, here's what I got. Yeah. Ally Aquinta. Rumblings, maybe that fight with Paul Felder is going to get rebooked at some point. Of course, that was going to happen wow. in Brooklyn, New York, back in the day. I mean, what, what's going on? What's going on with Raging Al? I, and I bring him up in the context of I see Aljamain Sterling visualizing him being up there with Matt Serra and Chris Weidman and yeah, the champions. Yeah, no. And it makes me think of Al and what's yeah. going on. I know the knees are chronic, but what's going on? He's still struggling, man. I tell you, I went out to eat with him probably a week and a half ago for some reason. Normally we speak. I haven't spoken to him. But I do think – I do believe they offered him the, uh, the uh, Benil fight uh, a while, but he just wasn't ready. And I think that would have been a great fight. I would have loved to have seen that. Uh, but – He's, you know, even with the McGregor saying he wants to fight him, his, he's still working on his knees. I think he just got a couple more shots and it's all just keeping your fingers crossed and hoping that, you know, he can get healthy. And Ray, I, I got a question for you. Um, can you tell Marab to stop diving headfirst into <laughs> two foot deep water, please? I mean, what's going He could have lost an eye. I, yeah. I mean, come on. What's going you, on with him? Let me tell you Is he something. okay? I mean, he's, uh, you know, I told him, I go, you're young. And you got nothing up there here. And he goes, you're old uh, and you got 
Because if you're old and you got nothing down there, I go, you know, I, I can't get no respect. <laughs> now, listen, the guy is out of, you know, I think the best part of the story is that I think we missed too, is that he was jogging in a blizzard and then he just happened to come to a pond. So he jumps down to his shorts, right? So he's standing out in the snow and then he sees a pond he wants to jump in. And uh, yeah, that was, uh, I guess, I, I think he learned his lesson. He the took, ice man. And then he went right back the next day to beat up the ice with his headgear on. He got, he did get smarter. He did learn. That's right. You can't say That's he right. did the same thing twice. He put a motorcycle helmet on this time. That's ago. right. That's right. Yeah. There is only one Rob Dwalish Willie. And uh, I can't wait to see him get back in the octagon. But true story, I was at Delray Honda getting our minivan fixed. Judge me if you so choose. <laughs> and the local news is doing a, a kicker story on Marab here That's in South funny. Florida. They didn't even address him by name. He was just random UFC oh, fighter. But guy, I took a video of it to show you. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. But I mean, yeah. just some crazy guy. But I think the fact that he, the first video, I don't think he put up where he's running. He's just filming himself running in the snow. And then hey, let me just jump down to my underwear and jump in a cold pot. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> that's why he's special. But, you know, sometimes mental toughness works against you. And this is a oh. case where he might have just been too tough for his own good because that, that could have been disastrous, man. Yeah, you're right. savage. Yeah, but he hey. is. He's an absolute. There's a video from from years ago where he's out in his backyard in the snow, in his underwear, doing like those Earth Angels or what? Yeah, snow angels, angels, right? <laughs> guy's just taking a nice yeah. bath. This guy's walking around in a blizzard in his shorts. Team Sarah Longo, you know, yeah. I mean, get uh, your else? guys under control, Ray. Yeah, that's uh, no no control at this point. You know, this this pandemic and the quarantine, I I've lost control. There's only so much you could do, John. You guys do these uh, outro parades for your athletes in the snow, or is that a thing of the past? Uh, uh, yeah, we. what happened to that? I guess if you're traveling, you don't need to do a parade. Right, exactly. But I think from a social media standpoint, we need to see some parades. I got to do something. Do what you guys can do. Have to do something. Hey, hey well, real quick, Please. I want to shout out to Aviv Ghazali's father, Haim Ghazali, 47 years old. Bare knuckle boxing, got a victory, man. Had a rough first round. Wow. A tough, tough SOB, man, of 47. And Aviv was with him. He's a great kid. You know, obviously fights for Bellator. Maybe he'll switch over to the UFC sometime. But I, w I was blown away. I was like, wow, man, it's not looking good in the first round. He came back and knocked the guy out. So that? Wow. shout out to, to Haim Ghazali, man. And again, one for the old guys, which you love to That's see. Right. You know That's what right. I mean? But uh, and that's it. I mean, that's all I got. Anything else? I love it. Well, I love that you whenever you're shouting somebody out, if it's one of your fighters or otherwise, they always have a name that's not Jim Miller. You know, they always make you work for it when you're giving them the shout out. <laughs> yeah, so, I, I think I think I have that name right. But it might yeah. be. One oh, you didn't Jim. hesitate at all. Yeah, Jim Miller, man, what a blessing he is just with for the name. Right. Yeah. Can't go fighting, wrong with that. I think he's fighting at UFC 258. Uh, speaking of which, we got to go, but it's uh, Usman versus Burns. Real quick, who do you got? Who do you got? I go with Usman. All right. Chalky. Minus 270. All right. Hey, have a great week, and uh, we look forward to talking to you next Monday if you are uh, awake and available. Oh, so, so wait, hold on. So let me just get this straight. So the new time is Monday now. It's it's <laughs> a fluid situation. It's a it's fluid a, situation. A, We're trying to take this show live. Stay We're ready. trying to switch fluid, up the platform. It's a fluid situation? That means what? Like we're low on water? What does that mean? <laughs> we have to check our anti like water. You gotta be like water, like Bruce Lee. Our antifreeze? What are we talking about? It's a fluid <laughs> situation.
I can actually see the lack of shampoo today. <laughs> no, impossible. I got the best smelling hair around. I bet you do. <laughs> hey, all the pleasures on this side of the table, buddy. All right, guys. Go. Listen. Thanks, Ray. I'm glad. So I'll see you next Monday then. Next, next Monday, Monday it is. And uh, we do is unless like it's snowing. Unless it's snowing. Right. Snow. <laughs> <I'll let's laughs> snow again. Maybe I'll show up. Maybe I won't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> see you. Let me tell you, we had another bad snowstorm last night. This has been yeah. horrible. It's yeah. crazy. You're getting buried over there. Yeah, horrible. All right, guys. Drive safely. Don't touch right, it. Right. Right. All right. Ray Longo, every week here on the Anakin Florian Podcast. All right, today's main event challenge is brought to you by DraftKings. So as most of you know, two of the sport's most respected fighters stepping back into the octagon this weekend to compete for the welterweight title. And DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of UFC, is giving you a shot at huge cash prizes. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering new players a shot at millions of dollars. Now, if you haven't tried it yet, Fantasy MMA, I'm telling you, wicked easy to play. You pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, pile up points for things like advances, takedowns, and more. There's honestly no better way for my money to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot of millions of dollars in total prizes. Also, they've got basketball, they've got hockey, both are also live, and DraftKings has even more money up for grabs this weekend. And take it from me, it's safe, it's secure, it's reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience on DraftKings. So download the DraftKings app right now. Use promo code AFPOD to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. That's promo code AFPOD to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings minimum $5 deposit. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for more details. All right. UFC 258 beckons this weekend. Let's make some picks. It's the main event challenge. And it. The time is most definitely Florian. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. All right, quickly, we update the standings. Ken Flo has taken the lead, which he is happy to hear. 9-8 as we move it forward to UFC 258 live on pay-per-view this weekend. And joining us to make picks today. This will give me an extra pop in my step. This is a guy who was prominently featured on this podcast way back in the day. And now you can see him on the UFC's in-house gambling show called UFC on the line. You can also find him on social media at Greek underscore gambler and in any number of different places as well. Yanni, the Greek Corrales is with us. Yanni, it's great to see you, my man. Big Super Bowl for you. I know you loaded up on Alexander Volkov. So uh, smiling wide here on a Monday morning. How we doing? Perfect timing. I'm ready to drive the state line and play some lotto tickets because everything turned out well. The Super Bowl, I wake up and see the accounts, the props did well, and then Bitcoin and Ethereum hit all-time highs this morning. It's like what? It, 2021 couldn't start off any better. God bless America. I and can't say it enough. Yes, Gianni. He's bringing it. I love it. And as far as I know, you don't have like four or five kids to soak up all that money. So uh, you're doing pretty well. <laughs> all right. So we're going to make some picks and it's great to see you. And it's certainly great to see your success, man. We're, we couldn't be happier for you. First fight for us today is actually a rematch of a fight that took place back in 2015. Jimmy Rivera beat Pedro Munoz that night by split decision. It was only Rivera's second UFC fight. It moved him to 18 and one overall. Munoz was very good after the fact. He ripped off four straight wins. Still has never been finished. So, Yanni, at least right now as we sit here on a Monday, and again, we appreciate you making your picks this early in the week, but Rivera's in the minus 140 range as the favorite. Munoz, the dog, at plus 120 or so. Your thoughts on the rematch here at 135 pounds? Yeah, th this is a fight that I actually do like, and I'm getting to the window uh, with the Jimmy Rivera side. 
First off, we know the rematch history. You got to favor the guy that won the first one. Now, granted, it was a split decision, and there's a lot of randomness involved when it turns out that way. But when you dig into that box score, I think it was still his fight. This He outlanded him by at least 30 significant strikes. And even if you look of late, I broke down just their last four fights, 12 rounds for Rivera, and it was 10 rounds for Munoz. And Munoz gets hit. 35, he's, he's been hit 35 significant strikes per round over those fights. That's just too much. And I think this fight, which is going to remain standing like it did last time, that's what's going to be the difference maker. Rivera's going to land a lot more. He should get the decision. I don't see a finish here. I, yeah. I like the Rivera side. I don't think this price is high enough. I really don't. I think he wins this fight two out of three times, laying off the 140, 150. And, you know, he wins this six out of 10 times. That's what that price says. I think right. it's greater. I like yeah. the favorite. I think that's good analysis. I thought Jimmy Rivera, Kenfo, looked outstanding against Cody Stamen. He's his own harshest critic. But uh, what are your thoughts on Pedro Munoz defensively? I mentioned he's never been finished, but you got to think after that Frankie Edgar fight last August, he went back to the drawing board and said, I, I got to get hit less somehow. I, I, I hope so. But, you know, we haven't seen that change. And, and I think Gianni's really is putting on a lot of good things here. I also think that the fact that Rivera is a very good wrestler and a better wrestler uh, could play a factor in this fight as well. Obviously, uh, Munoz has an excellent guillotine that can kind of thwart those takedown attempts. But I think this fight's going to stay on the feet for the most part. I think that's where R Rivera is going to be most uh, comfortable. And while I do think that Munoz does have some power, uh, I think Rivera just hits harder. And it does concern me that Munoz likes to trade and likes to trade often in the pocket. Uh, and if that's the case, which I think it's it's hard to just switch up your style completely in one fight. Um, and uh, because of that, uh, I like Rivera here as well. All right. Two plays there on Jimmy Rivera in the minus 140 range. Next up, big fight at middleweight. We will have Ken Flo lead this one. Uh, feels like a must win of sorts for Kelvin Gastelum, not in terms of his roster spot, but needs a W. He's the minus 220 favorite here to get it done against the plus 180 underdog Ian Heinish. So Gastelum Kenflow winless dating to UFC 224. That was May of 2018. Split decision win over Jacques de Souza. The losses, Israel Adesanya, Darren Till, most recently Jack Hermanson via that quick heel hook last July. What do you think about Gastelum here? Two to one or so against Ian Heinish. You know, this, this is an extremely important fight for Kelvin uh, because this is one of those fights where we will kind of find out whether he still wants to do this or not, right? Um, when when you start to go against guys with a, kind of a, a lesser name like Ian Heinish, and this is no no uh, disrespect to Heinish, but, you know, it, it's not these elite top five, top ten fighters. So um, if he's not motivated here, this is one of those fights that can really surprise you. Um so hopefully he has trained hard. If it is the Kelvin of old, um, I think Kelvin should be able to win this fight. I think Ian uh, could pose some problems with his wrestling, but uh, I think Kelvin should be able to thwart those takedown attempts. I think Kelvin hits much harder. I think he's a better striker. Um, and I, I think he should be able to win this fight against Ian. But uh, Ian may surprise him, you know, I, I think especially early on. But I think as this fight goes on, I think Kelvin should be able to get, get gain some steam uh, and get the get the win here against Ian Heinish. Yanni, Ian Heinish halted a two-fight losing streak. It was a knockout of Gerald Mershart, UFC 250, last June. Has had some dealings with COVID-19, with teammates and coaches and the like. With respect to Derek Brunson, I would argue this is the toughest opponent to date for Ian Heinish. What do you think about him in this spot against KG? 
And I, I think you're right. Listen, Kenny is going to be able to look at the fight, tell you the X's and O's, and break it down in ways that I can't. I follow the data, and I look at the market, and that makes this fight easy for me. It's Heinish or pass, because there's nothing in the data that makes me want to back Kelvin Gastelum in this spot as a minus 220 favorite. Again, what does minus 220 mean? It means he has to win this fight seven out of 10 times just for me to break even. Now, over the sample size of his career, you may be able to get there with that price, but looking over recency, he hasn't won a fight since 2018. But more importantly, if you look over those last five years, that's nine fights, John. He's minus 10 in takedowns. I looked over the last 12 rounds. He's got a negative strike differential of two per round. You shouldn't be a minus 220 favorite right, right. when that's the result of your fights. Again, he's capable. And Kenny could look at the matchup and tell me which fighter is capable of beating the other. But for me, when I look at the data, nothing reflects a minus 220 favorite. Where on the flip side of Heinish, he's, what, only been finished one time. He's done well in decisions. He's won seven of nine fights that have gone to a decision. And this fight, high likelihood, that's what the market tells us. That's what the line tells us, that it's going to be left at the hands of the judges. And I just like Heinish in this spot. He's even landed more if you look over both guys' last 10 rounds. He's landed more per round and absorbed less per round. Everything adds up to value at plus 180. Win or lose, that's the value right. side. I like it. All right, co-made event will be in the flyweight division. Yanni the Greek will lead us off here. Alexa Grasso, minus 145 versus Macy Barber, who is plus 125. So it's been a while for Macy Barber, as many of you know, humbled by Roxanne Modafferi a year ago. That was UFC 246. Tore up her knee pretty good, lost a unanimous decision. First pro loss. Yanni, a lot of people envision her as a future champion, but in terms of you know, beating Johnny, Johnny Bones Jones as the youngest UFC champion. She's got a lot of work to do, has to win this one, maybe another one. And then Valentina beckons. But first things first, what do you think about Barber here against the Mexican Alexa Grasso? I, I wish that when the first books that open market had bigger limits because Macy Barber opens as a minus 130 favorite. And I thought Grasso as an underdog was an automatic play. Obviously, she's now the favorite and that changes everything. Barber's looked amazing in her UFC fights and five fights, four finishes in a weight class where seven out of 10 times the judges get involved. So she's been so impressive, but she's only had nine professional fights, John. And pre UFC, I, you know, she beat Mallory Martin, but otherwise it wasn't high level opposition. I think that's where you got to give the nod to Grasso. And I think she's being a little bit undervalued here because of her four and three record in the UFC. But again, look over the last three fights of hers. She's landed over 31 significant strikes per round. And although Macy Barber doesn't absorb much, uh, if you're landing at that rate, as long as Barber doesn't land the big shot and finish her, I think this is another Alexa Grasso decision. That's what it sets up for. And again, she's only been finished one time, never knocked out, TKO'd. Yeah. I think if it goes to the judges, Grasso's live. I wish I could get a better price. Hopefully when the public gets involved, they back Grasso. Because again, it's a good plus EV spot coming off a loss, right. especially she's a winning fighter. Alexa Grasso can flow 1-0 since moving up to 125 pounds in the UFC. A lot of people feel like she belonged in this weight class a time ago. What a, what an opportunity for these two women getting this co-main event showcase on pay-per-view. How do you see it playing out? 
Yeah, listen, I think uh, Grasso is really maturing as a fighter. Um, and, you know, she puts together some beautiful combinations. I, I think if it stays on the feet, I, I don't see her losing this fight to Barbara. But uh, I, I do see uh, a weakness still in Grasso on the ground uh, where she can potentially be controlled by Macy Barber. Um, that's where I think it, it, that's the, you know, easiest uh, path to victory uh, for Barbara. I, I would assume that that's what she's going to try to do against Grasso. But Grasso has improved her wrestling as well. So a very interesting fight. I do like Grasso here. I think she's going to be able to stop those takedowns enough and be able to score enough uh, to win a decision here. All right. Ken Flo is on the record for the co-main event. And that brings us to the fight around which this card was built, of course, for the undisputed UFC welterweight title. Kamaru Usman minus 270 or so. Gilbert Durinho Burns plus 230. We'll take the round and the method of victory if you have it. So a little backstory for some of our listeners and viewers who may not know, longtime teammates and friends who have now been on each other's competitive radar for a while. So this fight was going to happen last July. So friendship probably still there on the back burner, but they've had a lot of time uh, to focus on competing against one another. There were COVID issues, injuries. It's been postponed twice. And for Kamaru Usman, Yanni, I don't know how you handicap this guy, but he just doesn't get credited as one of the greatest of all time. 16 straight wins. Hasn't lost since a submission setback in 2013. It was his second pro fight. Might as well throw that out. 12-0 in the UFC. I guess if there's any knock, nine of those wins have come by decision. On the other side, you got Gilbert Burns. 11 UFC wins with seven finishes. Most people I talk to are chomping at the bit, excited to bet on Gilbert Dorino Burns. You're the expert. You're the capper. You're the professional. Talk us through this main event. I can't blame them. I mean, what's not to like on the Gilbert Burns side, especially as an underdog at this price? He's got to win the fight 30% of the time for you to break even. It seems like he's capable. I mean, these two guys know each other extremely well. Um, but with all that said, you nailed it when you said Kamara Usman doesn't get the respect he deserves. I don't think, forget the fans, the betting market, his last five fights, John, and again, He's won every single fight in the UFC. The average opening line was minus 220. That's it. Uh, that's all you'd had to lay. And yet it's gone up, obviously. And this one's done the same up to 270. And that's the problem. As a better, I need to find value. And for me now to bet Kamara Usman, I got to conclude he wins this fight close to, you know, four out of five times, at least three out of four times to even make an argument to yeah. use them. And that's where the problem comes in as a better. Otherwise, gun to my head, it's simple. He hasn't been beaten in the right, UFC. Right, right. So until you show me the blueprint, it doesn't exist. Coupled with the data supports him. The guy lands 24 significant strikes per minute. I mean, the volume's going to keep coming, John. That's the problem. And it's going to be very, per round, excuse me. And it's going to be very difficult to slow him down. I mean, it's not like he's... He, even power-wise, that's the problem. Even power-wise, you look over the last five fights, one knockdown for Gilbert Burns, plus three knockdowns for Usman. Takedowns, plus 19 for Usman, plus seven for Burns. All the data supports the Usman side. The history, as far as his record hasn't been beaten, supports the Usman side. The only problem is some... Fights aren't bettable and not to go long, but I, I can't stress Please. this enough because most MMA bettors, they're going to say this guy's crazy. Someone's going to win the fight. So there's obviously a right bet. And that's just not true because uh, uh, the, the quickest example I could give is this. 
you do your magic, whatever it is, and you draw the conclusion that fighter A should be uh, uh, should win 60% of the time, fighter B wins 40% of the time. If you look up on the point line and the line's minus 160 for fighter A, plus 140 for fighter B, someone's going to go out there and win that fight. But there's not a bet you can right, make. Right. Because based on your implied win probability, they're both negative EV. They're both losing bets. So you're just hoping to be the product of good luck. Right. And right. in my life business, you can't right, do right, that. I right. can't depend on luck. Right, so right. I can't bet Usman at this price, right. but I have to pick him on the show. I like yes. Usman and I like to go against the narrative and say inside the distance because that's where the value is. Uh, but you're looking at a guy in, in Burns who's been finished one time in 23 fights going against a non-finisher. So I'm going to have to go for game, you know, for the show. I'm going to say Usman by decision. But for betters out there, if you are going to bet Usman, the value you're going to get is betting him inside the distance because that goes against the narrative. And I think that's the only way you're going to get value. And this being a title fight, at least history supports that, you know, close to six, almost seven out of 10 times, it ends in a finish. And even when the uh, challenger leaves with the title that's seven out of ten times it's by finish yeah, almost that. never inside you know by decision so you know you want to sprinkle a little usman inside the distance go ahead but for a show usman decision and i hope listeners will take that to heart if you're really trying to annually make money and not just have a little action little skin in the game there's a gun to the head mentality there is a value mentality ken flow i guess i'll spin it to you on the gilbert burns side some people have suggested that Burns with his active guard, maybe Usman will want to have a kickboxing match here and be a little bit mm. less inclined to to do the volume takedown game. What type of fight are you expecting and uh, ultimately who gets their hand raised? You know, y Yanni makes a lot of great points. Um, and I, I do think that, uh, you know, the easy pick would be, uh, you know, a Kamaru Usman by decision. But I think there's some factors that, um, need to be considered. I think the fact that both of these guys know each other extremely well. And, you know, if you haven't fought someone like Usman, uh, it's going to be a problem. But I think the fact that Gilbert knows a lot of the ins and outs of Usman and, and where he's strong and where he's weak is a huge advantage. Um, and I also think, you know, he's done pretty well from what I hear in sparring against Usman. Now, sparring is different than fighting. Uh, and it's hard to go against that level of uh, consistency in Kamaru Usman. And, you know, while Kamaru Usman isn't necessarily the, you know, the, the most dangerous finisher, he finishes you mentally in a lot of ways, right? He gets you to kind of check out and then he wins by decision. So yeah. he, he gets your brain to tap out. Maybe right, not right. physically he gets you to tap right. out, but, uh, you know, mentally he gets you to check out. And uh, I, I think that's what makes Usman such a problem. I could definitely see that happening here with his pace, his conditioning. He's also a larger man than Gilbert Burns. However, I do like Gilbert Burns uh, in this matchup. I, I think that if he's going to get it done, it will most likely happen early. Uh, he has a lot of power on the feet. I think he mixes it up extremely well. He also has that uh, submission advantage. Uh, so if he can create some scrambles, if he can make it kind of a, a little bit more of a chaotic fight early on, I like Gilbert Burns to get it done. If it goes late, uh, I definitely would side with Usman. But let's go with a second round 
TKO by Gilbert Burns. And would that not be something if Gilbert Durino Burns was the undisputed UFC welterweight champion? Yanni, before we get you out of here, and if you do want more from Yanni the Greek on social media at Greek underscore gambler, you can also check him out on UFC Fight Pass's UFC on the line in advance of UFC 258. That will be live on UFC Fight Pass this Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific. So on that show, you get a budget and you really get to open up a little bit. How much of your budget is spent right now? Or are you just beginning to dive in? Because I know this is a unique re- request taping a, a show on Monday when so much happens, not just at the weigh-in, but throughout a random given UFC fight week. You're absolutely right. That's why I love that show, John, because you they give us $1,000 to bet every episode, every pay-per-view, and it's how you manage your bankroll. And there's, you know, fortunately, this is the third season. I turned the profit in season one and two. That was good. Um, but last year I was down going in throughout the season. So you saw the way I had to bet to come back and, you know, how you have to be disciplined and patient and grind. And it's not always easy. And that's why, uh, you know, I love doing that show uh, so much. And I think for, for betters as well, you, you get so much out seeing the, the betting perspective, not just the X's and O's, because I love the X's and O's and I could listen to fighters talk all day. They know it better than I do. No, and I can't enlighten you on MMA, but I can when it comes to sports betting and betting markets, because that's what I've done for 30 years. Right, I've done right. nothing else but bet sports every single day. So I love that they gave me that opportunity to talk my passion. I won't start put my bets together till later in the week because it's not optimum. You have to use right. those lines that day on the show. So you're not getting out ahead of the market. You're not right. trying to set up scalps or nothing like that. Right. You're just trying to pick winners that, you know, so I do it usually the day before I, I, I put it all together because seeing the latest prices. Uh, so I, I, I'm still working on my card for that show nice. for Friday. Gosh, I want to be a professional sports better. And I don't know how much there communication there is between spouse and professional sports better, but I'd love to just be going to the sports book. And I guess you don't even go to the book anymore, but be like, honey, I just want to let you know, I'm going to put $25,000 on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers tonight, plus three and a half points. And, uh, you know, let's hope for the sake of our livelihood and our future that we fucking hit this one. I guess you probably <laughs> don't communicate too much on a day to day basis because, uh, cause you lose, you know, 40% of the time. And what's worse, John, is that I've worked an entire month, entire two, three months and lost money. Like, who can say that, that right. they've worked right. seven days a week, right. Right. 30 straight days and are right. down money, like right. are, are negative. Like right. that's you got to be pretty insane to choose right. this. Right. That's why people <laughs> say, like, how do I get into your line of work? I tell them the other side of the counter. You want to be right. booking yeah. the action. You exactly. don't want to be. When I met you 10 years ago, I wasn't even a winning better. Like I was barely learning to win. And I was 10, 15 years into the game up until that point and was working with sharp groups, guys that won. I just didn't know how to use winning information. That was hard enough, let alone learning, you know, to win on your own. I mean, it's right. difficult to do it. That's why I either do it for fun, entertainment, yeah. and it's enjoyable. Or, you know, that side of the counter is a lot easier than mine. I love it. Well, you're the best on Twitter at Greek underscore gambler. When I met him, he was Vegas runner. Now he's Yanni the fucking Greek, and you better pay attention. Hey, we'll be watching on Friday, man. Appreciate your time sincerely, and uh, we'll do it again for a pay-per-view down the road. Thanks for having me, guys. Enjoy the fights. Make some money. Whether you follow or fade, I just hope people cash tickets. I'm on your side. There he is, Yanni the Greek, with us for the main event challenge here on the Anakin Florian podcast. What a stud, and... uh, 
not going to waste those bullets on a UFC fight night. That's for sure. So good to have Yanni the Greek with us. And I've enjoyed stepping in on that show every now and again when they need a fill-in host. Call my number for a gambling show. I am not going to turn you down. All right. We are almost out the door on UFC 258, but a few more pay-per-view predictions coming to that end. Let us get to the pick to click. Time now for the pick to click. The pick to click. All I have to do is bet on the winner, and I'll never lose. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. All right, today's Pick to Click is brought to you by Odd Shark, your source for the latest odds from leading authorities, expert editorial content, and detailed matchup picks with expert in-depth analysis for each game. Their free statistics, numbers, and trends will help you make the sharp picks on game day. Head over to Odd Shark and start playing like a shark today. That's oddshark.com. Don't forget the second S. And if you go to Odd Shark regularly, you know guys and bets, and you know Joe Osborne on Twitter. He is at JTFOZ. But hit that Instagram page at Paper Chaser Joe. No E on Joe. It's a pay-per-view week, buddy. It is great to see you. How you doing on a Monday? Guys, I'm doing good. I'm kind of recovering from last night, though. It used to be like when I was in my early 20s, and I'm sure a lot of the <laughs> listeners can relate. You know, you go out drinking, and you wake up the next day, and, oh, I'm never having a drink again in my life. But now, you <laughs> know, entering, entering my late 30s here, uh, I of course, I stuffed my face like a bunch of people. I had a couple of drinks. But you wake up, I'm feeling a little washed up here. Wake up feeling all sluggish, thinking I got to go on a diet, make some serious life changes here. So it's all part of getting older. So a little bit washed up here, but I'm ready to go for the big pay-per-view this weekend. I'm with you, man. I should have cut some weight this morning. Looking a little bit swollen here on a Monday. I made ribs, and I think I ate like 36 of the 40 that I made for, uh, for me and my wife. All right, so UFC 258, Usman versus Burns. A lot of interesting components to this fight, not the mm. least of which is the familiarity between the two athletes. I'm not sure how it factors into your handicapping necessarily, but as of now, you're looking at Usman prohibitively priced for some minus 270 Gilbert Durino Burns plus 230 or so. Uh, what do you have for us on the pay-per-view main event? So, yeah, I will say I think Usman wins the fight, but I'll also say that I do think he is overvalued here from a betting perspective. Uh, you take a look at his most recent fight versus Jorge Masvidal, the odds for this fighter in a similar ballpark to that fight. Big difference, though. Uh, Burns isn't coming in on six days' notice, and I do think he has more pass to victory, but ultimately I do think Usman will win. So as I often say when I come on with you guys, I have no interest in coming on and giving out a big money line favorite. Right, right. So, so how do we bet this fight? And the way you bet this fight for myself anyways, this is one of my favorite betting spots, not just in MMA, but in all the sports. And that's the Camaro Usman over. So it's sitting there right now <laughs> at right. four and a half rounds, minus 140. And the reason I love this is Usman is an absolute decision machine guy. So he's gone to decision nine of his last 11 fights. Of course, one of those fights that didn't was the Colby Covington fifth round win that did go right down to the wire that did go over four and a half rounds though. And he's now gone over four and a half rounds in five consecutive five round fights. And, you know, I don't think he's getting put away here. He's only been finished once in his MMA career. That was way back in 2013. And stylistically, when you take a look at Usman, I know Colby Covington calls him Camaro Snoozman. He might be on to something here, right? If you're a casual fan watching an Usman fight, uh, you might not be very enticed to watch his next fight, right? He's not the most exciting guy in the world, kind of like a GSP in a sense, without the the, uh, the striking of GSP. Of course, GSP 
when he was on his run uh, of terror in the welterweight division, he had seven consecutive five-round decision victories. And I think Usman's on a similar path here. Not very pretty, not very sexy. I think we're going to see these guys pressing on each other a lot. A lot of time spent up against the cage. I think that's going to chew up a lot of clock, limit the big striking exchanges. And I do think it gets to over four and a half round. And the good thing about the total bet is it does also leave the door open for an upset. So either right. fighter can win as long as it goes over the four and a half round mark. Yeah, see, I like that, right? Because I think for a lot of our listeners, if you're saying 270 bucks straight on Usman to win 100, you know, it's like you can't afford too many of those losses per month. Uh, what about this co-main event? Alexa Grasso minus 145 or so. Macy Barber plus 125. I don't know. I mean, we just had Yanni the Greek on and, and he outlined some some points on Alexa Grasso. I just think Macy Barber, you know, maybe she isn't the present, but she is the future. And uh, I don't know. I, I guess I would think some betters might see some value on the dog here. And she is now the dog. What do you think about the co-main event, Joseph? Yes, I am with you uh, on Barber as the underdog. And it's not a traditional handicap. It's more of a theory. And uh, we see these spots pop up a couple times a year on the UFC calendar. So I don't have to tell you guys, it's no big secret. The UFC is very strategic with their matchmaking. They want to put specific fighters in spots of shine and on a path where they can be elevated in their future fights. And I think it's pretty clear that the UFC is trying to give Macy Berber a push. And for good reason, great finishing ability, especially for this weight class. And she has a little bit of a charisma. So uh, a future star, uh, maybe as soon as Saturday night. And this is the co-main event. Some people were surprised to see this fight get put in the co-main right. event for a, a pay-per-view. And make no mistake about it, this is the co-main event because of Macy Barber, right? right? I think the matchmakers, they, I think style-wise, I think they think it is a good spot for her where they're going to be on their feet for the majority of the fight. She is the more accurate striker uh, and she does have more power. And let's take a look at her most recent fight from an odds perspective, of course, pretty big upset, right? On the wrong end of it against that right. Roxanne Mataferi. She was a minus 850 favorite for a reason in that fight. Maybe a little right. bit overvalued, right. to be fair, but she was a gigantic favorite for a reason. Previous to that, five straight TKO finishes. Take a look at Grasso, a bit up and down, rotating wins and losses in her last six fights. So I, I think it's one of these spots the UFC really zeroed in and they thought that this was a pretty good spot for the future star, Barber, and maybe they think that she can win. So I think they're giving her that promotional push by putting her in this big spot. Now, of course, they tried this with uh, Sugar Sean O'Malley right. a couple of months back and that backfired a little bit, didn't it? But uh, I think they're putting her in this spot because they want to give her the push. She can be one of the uh, next big female stars of the sport. And that's going to start here on Saturday night, I think. And you made the point better than I could have. But I guess what I'm getting at, Ken Flo, is right. You got minus 850 and now you're getting her at plus money. I mean, to me, that's simple right. enough for uh, for me to take a long, hard look at Macy Barber. Uh, all right. It's not Joseph either. It's Joel Osborne. Apologies. Joel Osborne. To, uh, I go to, by Joe, though. They call me Joey growing up. My No one calls me Joel. My mom, that was my birth name. But it just evolved from uh, Joey as a little kid to Joe. And uh, you guys can 
Call me whatever you want. I know, though, right? right? Like when I'm people ask me, like, can I call you? I'm like, you can call me basically whatever you want. Just don't call me Jason because that's my twin brother. That's the <laughs> only thing that bothers me. Um, all right. If you want more from Joe Osborne at JTFOZ on Twitter and, of course, on Instagram at Paper Chaser Joe. Always good to see you, my man. Good job on the Super Bowl, at least on the prop front. Absolutely. Yeah, it was a uh, it wasn't a great game, I guess, unless you're a Tampa Bay fan or a Tampa Bay better. But, you know, kudos to the NFL for, for getting through. We had a couple of uh, cancellations and postponements. I actually enjoyed that those Tuesday night football and Wednesday night football games. You know, yeah. it was uh, kind of different and uh, good to have those games mixed in there. So, yeah, kudos to the NFL for getting through. And uh, Tom Brady, the GOAT, right? I'm a Miami Dolphins fan, so I was used to, you know, getting my ass kicked by Brady for all those years. But you got to give him credit. There's all the haters out there, guys, and there's all the excuses. Oh, all the penalties went against Kansas City last night. The defense. He's got seven rings, people. So, you know what? Don't be a hater. I'm telling you. Well put on the way out. Hey, thanks for uh, a few minutes. We will talk to you uh, next month in advance of UFC 259, if not sooner. Awesome, guys. Good luck to you and good luck to all the listeners. There he is, Joe Osborne, with us for the pick to click here on the Anakin Florian podcast. It's always interesting for me, Ken Flo, when I hear the Canadians talk about George St. Pierre because they know him so well. One thing I will say, though, GSP made the takedown a thing of beauty. And I'm not saying that Kamar Usman has not made the takedown a thing of beauty, because I think when you have a sophisticated eye and you've been watching mixed martial arts as long as some of us have, we have a huge appreciation for watching Kamar Usman systematically break guys and dominate. But George St. Pierre, when he beat Tiago Alves at UFC 100, I've said this before, he had the audience ooing and eyeing with every takedown. I mean, he made the takedown a thing of beauty. So I don't know if I'm saying that historically he has been more aesthetically pleasing to watch than Kamar Usman. I don't know if I'm saying I'm surprised to hear a Canuck banging on George St. Pierre a little bit. Um, but what I am saying is that George St. Pierre was fun to watch, I guess. <laughs> Especially so against Tiago Alves, as you mentioned. It was like taking down the Incredible Hulk over and over again. Uh, It was amazing. But, you know, that's a division that really has been very wrestling heavy. You look all the way down to to Matt Hughes and then George St. Pierre and then Kamara Usman. Uh, It's interesting uh, how dominant the wrestlers have been in, in that welterweight division. All right, we got to bounce on out of here. Thanks to our guest, Ray Longo, Yanni the Greek, Joe Osborne. My rib feels better having done this show. So. I feel good now that I'm going to be able to punch it if indeed, you know, Gilbert Burns knocks out Kamara Usman. Got to be able to have some room in the register to Let's get go. up there. Cody, you got something before we fly? Bilal Muhammad fight week. Can we just address that? Sorry. I know. Jesus, man. You're going to get me in trouble. All right. So I had in the main event challenge, we were going to make a pick on Diego Lima and Bilal. Remember the name Muhammad. But as yet, there's no betting line on that fight. So we skipped that. But yes, our dear friend Bilal Muhammad. And thank you, Cody, for interjecting. He hosts Remember the Show on the Anakin Florian Podcast YouTube channel with my twin brother, Jay. But bigger picture, he had a nasty bout with COVID-19. His parents both got it. This Diego Lima fight has come around a second time. Bilal's won three consecutive fights, seven of eight at 170 pounds with the lone loss to Jeff Neal. Not unlike Usman Kenflo, Bilal could use a finish. I'd imagine he's going to be a two and a half or so to one favorite. But uh, shout out to Bilal Muhammad trying to get it yes. done here against uh, a long and dangerous Diego Lima. Absolutely. Lima is a tough out for anybody. Should be a fun fight. And uh, let's go, Bilal.
And we will be back on Monday to recap this entire pay-per-view with you. Don't forget, KenFlow's got a new instructional YouTube channel out there. It is linked to our Anakin Florian podcast YouTube channel. So if you want to subscribe to KenFlow's channel, just go to our channel. You'll be able to do that. We've also got merchandise. I'm not going to say it's flying off the shelves necessarily, but it's out there. And sales are pretty good. So uh, AnakFlorianPodcast.com, promo codes and all that stuff will direct you to the website to get your merch. And uh, thanks, everybody, for watching, for listening. Big things planned in 2021. Going to switch up the interface, all sorts of stuff. But Cody's going to kill me, so I don't want to reveal any more. With that, for our executive producer, Cody Mauer, for Ken Flo, John Anderson, so long for now. Enjoy UFC 258, and we will talk to you in less than seven days. Until then, don't text and drive. Militich, you wearing a mask yet, bro? Yo, later.